Welcome to Real Opposition, where we will debate, defend, and destroy some of the worst movies that have ever graced the big screen. Each episode, our resident film optimist, Jarman, will muster his courage and defend films that are critically recognized as terrible. Steve is one of those critics, and he is going to try to destroy these movies bit by bit. And what's our movie for this inaugural run? Oh, the first episode of Real Opposition, we're going to do Howard the Duck. What a controversial Ooh. film. Uh, what a, I think you, you mispronounced bad. What no, bad film. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cult favorite. It's uh it's now been rebirthed in the guardians of the galaxy series. Uh, Howard, true. Howard the duck is back, man. He's popular. He's, he's kicking it. <laughs> well, I'm excited to get into it, but Howard the duck, interestingly enough, did not start with this film. And, uh, it started with, uh, something else, Steve, what, what, how'd Howard the duck start? Uh, it started with a creator and writer by Steve Gerber. Hmm. Made some of his first appearances as a character in Man Thing. Man Thing, I've heard of that. And then the follow on Giant Size Man Thing. Oh, even bigger. Uh, He had his own 28 uh, or 27 issue run uh, that featured uh, a a political campaign that actually ended up with Howard the Duck getting a ton of write in votes for the 1976 presidential election. In real life. In real life. Oh, wow. The comic featured a, an arc about an election. Wow. Uh, then in 1977, Walt Disney contacted Marvel and was like, hey, your duck's getting a little bit too close looking to our duck. <laughs> and Marvel said, fine. And they let Disney redesign Howard. Wow. So that he would be different enough from Donald that they couldn't complain. So Howard got a major overhaul courtesy of, of Disney. And sometimes after that, Gerber was removed from Howard the Duck after he had a kind of not successful run in newspaper um, comics, actually. And then they did a few things with him. And then Gerber came back. And then Gerber sued Marvel uh, and then lost. And then it went into someone else's hands for a while. And then Gerber came back. And really the history of Howard the Duck is his creator, Gerber, like trying to get back in his life. Oh, no. Over and over again. Because of that, he's passed through a ton of different hands and got to do a ton of crazy stuff and has appeared with everybody from Spider-Man to She-Hulk. Wow. All over the place. And has a run that Marvel started in 2015 that in theory is still going right now of Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is alive and well in comics. Still? Yeah. But has not had a titled comic for a while. At least three appearances in the MCU. Right. Guardians, Guardians 2, and I believe he was in the big Thanos fight scene at the end of Endgame. But like how long did he have a comic? Basically, not say nonstop, but on and off again since the mid-1970s. That's crazy. In some form or another. He was in comics. He was like a B-side. He did time as a comic strip in a newspaper for a while. But yeah, but he currently has a series running. Huh. Howard the Duck is, is strong. Yeah. He is. And that's why we're talking about him right now. <laughs> yeah, and we have this film, Howard the Duck, in 1986 by the director. What the fuck was his name? Willard Yuck. Yuck. So Yuck. I actually read about Willard Yuck, who had some good credits before uh, this movie came out. 
Uh, he was a writer on American Graffiti, Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom. Um, he had a couple other director credits that were unknown films, but then after this film, he was blackballed and he did not make more films. Uh, no. So poor Willard Hyuk. 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 And apparently, uh, 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 not Spielberg, but Lucas uh, had a- approached um, John Landis to make this film. Mm. And he thought the car chase scenes were too similar to what he had just done with uh, Blues Brothers, I believe. And, okay, and I so he was like, I didn't want to do this again. So he refused and they got uh, Willard Yuck. Yuck. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> so as real opposition goes, we will give a summary, a quick summary of the film and then move on to why I believe it's a wonderful film and why Steve believes it's a terrible film. Why Steve knows it's a terrible yeah, film. Why you believe it. You got it wrong again there. So we have Howard the Duck in his apartment. Uh, they, they do a great establishing uh, thing of, of showing him in his apartment and how it's so much like our current Earth. Uh, and he's watching TV. And suddenly he's pulled by his chair outside of his apartment and he's blasted in outer space uh, through the universe all the way to Earth. And he lands in an alley, but he hears music. And it goes into this club where Leah Thompson of uh, Back to the Future fame, playing the mom from, uh, you know, uh, what's his face? Marty McFly. Marty McFly. <laughs> Leah Thompson is there and she's in a band, a rock band. They're playing and he gets kicked around by uh, back alley guys who uh, are not disturbed by the fact that he's a walking duck who's talking. Nobody is really disturbed by the fact that he's a duck. I was upset about that at first, but eventually they show people who are freaked out that he's a duck. They do show that a bunch in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so that then uh, she later on ends her gig and some guys try to harass her and uh, attack her and he defends her. So she takes him back to her place in, in thanks for helping her out because uh, he has no place to go, even though she's freaked out by the fact that he's a duck and there's a lot of duck jokes and uh, so just nonstop throughout the whole movie. Uh, but then he's, he's he falls asleep at her place and uh, she finally decides to take him to a scientist friend that she knows. Played by Tim Robbins. Played by Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins does a great job in this film. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but he's uh, he's the lab assistant who uh, is trying to find out where Howard the Duck is from and how he got here. And the idea is that Howard wants to find out how to get back home. Uh, but he finds out that that Tim Robbins is is just a jander, basically. He's not going to be able to help him get back to his home world. So he goes back out there and is tries to get a job and find a way to live in this new world. But he's a duck, so it's hard to get a job. He finds a job in a sex spa, apparently, cleaning out yep. the sex spa and being a, a water expert. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't do too well there because he's harassed and, and uh, annoyed by his boss. So he goes back and finds uh, Leah Thompson uh, and they become friends. They become more than friends and they almost sleep together until scientists surprise them in bed when they're about to make out. And it's uh, Jeffrey Jones, who is a great character actor, but terrible human being uh, because he's been recently exposed as a uh, sexual predator. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, basically scientists are there who are more qualified than Tim Robbins to find out where he came from. So they take him to this lab and they say that a laser that they were experimenting on accidentally transported him to their Earth. And they could probably send him back if they reverse the polarity or whatever. So science stuff, science stuff. So they go back to the the lab and 
the lab is in uh, in disarray. Uh, uh, Some terrible accident has befallen the lab. Yeah, what happened in the lab, Steve? Jeffrey Jones's character has been is just missing. Some t- they come in just after some terrible accident. For some reason, they let these random people in. <laughs> and then even as things are exploding, they just continue to head towards the explosions that are happening. Jeffrey Jones's character has disappeared. The police show up and they arrest Howard and they arrest Tim Robbins' character and they escape. And then starts this really rough plot of like a road trip movie. Well, because they finally find Jeffrey Jones, the scientist who is in charge of this whole operation, and he has apparently been infused with a new destination with the space laser, which has reached a planet that has these demons that are these evil things that have been exiled there for centuries. But now they've been pulled back by this laser. So he's been in, in basically possessed by this demon. So they so don't the believe demon is inhabiting Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones is yes. like playing it up like crazy. And they don't believe him at first. I think he's just crazy and he's been blown up. So he's got PTSD or something. So they um, they take him on a, a, to get away from the police. They go to a diner and uh, at the diner, they find out that Jeffrey Jones has this key that's going to let him use the laser to bring back more of the demons to Earth. And so they steal the key. The people at the diner attack the duck because he's a duck. And they're also trying to harass Leah Thompson because yeah, she's a woman. How many fights does he need to get into in this movie? And how many people need to harass Leah Thompson just because she's a woman? It's terrible. Like, they're just basically attacking her. And they're like, we want you, so we're going to attack you. It's it's pretty that's awful. Right. They, uh, Howard the Duck and Leah Thompson finally just, like, convince the Jeffrey Jones demon to... Uh, help them uh, escape from the diner uh, with a great scene where there's lots of fighting and explosions and um, lots of diner things uh, being destroyed. And uh, they head back to the the lab, and that's where the demon wants to uh, basically bring back all his pals. Uh, but Howard the Duck is separated because the police arrive. So then oh, you forgot that at one point they go to a nuclear power plant. Yes. Uh, so when they get separated, the the Jeffrey Jones character goes to nuclear power plant to power up because he's a demon. He needs this electricity power and radiation to power up. And he steals Leah Thompson with him. And so Howard the Duck gets separated. He's there at the diner and the police show up and then he he's able to escape with Tim Robbins to go. And they find an airplane. <laughs> they find an airplane, which they fly away to back to the lab and at the lab. uh Tim Robbins lets them know there's a device that, that the uh, they were experimenting on that could disintegrate things for the military. So they grab that and they're going to use it against uh, the Jeffrey Jones character and they they shoot him. There's a fight. Uh, eventually, they shoot the demon out of Jeffrey Jones. Um, he's trying to capture Leah Thompson to make her be possessed by another demon from the other world. At the last minute, they they uh, they they. they kicked Jeffrey Jones's ass. The demons kicked out of him. They had to fight the demon uh, who turns into a, uh, a, a Harryhausen style uh, claymation monster. It was and really cool. Looking. It, it was really cool. And they uh, they they kick that demon's ass and they destroy the the, uh, the laser so that no people can be brought back. But also that means that uh, oh, Howard's stuck. Howard's oh. stuck here, but he's in love with Leah Thompson character, so it's all okay. And they're gonna duck all night long. And he. Uh, kick the ass of their manager of her band so now he can be the manager of their band Leah Thompson's band and he can finally play the music they want and he does a guitar solo with his bill (laughs) yes he does it's amazing the end of the movie is a music video yeah it's all wonderful the pretty catchy song
I will give it a pretty catchy song. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it is catchy. That was it. <laughs> and that's kind of the movie Howard the Duck. If you haven't seen it, yeah, you should watch it. Yeah, and if you were confused, there's a reason. There's a lot it's going a on. Confusing movie. <laughs> well, there's a through line. There's an easy through line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Movie trivia is the illest. I did not know that. I'll ace any trivia quiz you bring up. I honestly did not know that. So we do have trivia of each of these films we're going to review on this Real Position show. And after the summary, we'll talk about the trivia of the film. Just a quick little recap of some interesting trivia that Stephen and I found fascinating. Uh, First of all, according to reports at the time of the movie's release, George Lucas had just built the $50 million Skywalker Ranch complex. We all know about the Skywalker Ranch. There's been movies made about it. Uh, And he was counting on this film to get him back in the black because apparently he was in debt. After all the Star Wars films were released, he was still in debt. Uh, but when this movie bombed, he was forced to start selling off assets to stay afloat. And his friend, apparently his friend was Steve Jobs, the CEO of Apple Computers. And he offered to help him by buying Lucasfilm's newly developed CGI animation division, which helped make this film. There's a lot of great animation in this film. Um, and he bought it well over market value. So. Steve Jobs really helped him out here and Lucas in desperate straits and thankful for the assistance agreed. And that division eventually became Pixar animation studios. That's right. So not the Lucasfilm. Uh, there's like, what was that other thing called? The uh, uh, lights, lights and magic. Isn't that Lucasfilm? ILM. ILM. Light and magic. So that became something later, but this is before that. So he had a, a CGI division that Luke, that um, Steve Jobs bought and became Pixar. So that's crazy how that this is all uh, it was all contingent yeah. on Howard the Duck, which is pretty nuts, <laughs> uh, which is funny because initially George Lucas uh, saw this film as being animated. Mm. He did not foresee this to be a live action film when he started planning it, which which would have been great, probably. Yeah, maybe better than what we got. Well, the only problem was like there's it's like nudity and stuff and and weird sexual things was, in this movie that was the only problem with this movie <laughs> hey, we'll get to that later that was it? Okay. <laughs> all right so also executive producer george lucas spent two million dollars on howard the duck suit just the suit alone and eight different actors worked inside the costume if you look on imdb you will see there's like eight actors listed as howard the duck and um according to the 2009 dvd release a child actor was intended for the main howard but it didn't work out. Apparently they couldn't get the child to work under the conditions they needed, which is, which makes sense. And I I wouldn't want to see a child working in that costume either. It'd be a little weird. Uh, But another actor, Ed Gale ended up performing most of the major scenes as Howard earning the credit at the start of the film. But there was eight actors total that were little people who worked at this, as this part. Wow. That's crazy. This was one of Tim Robbins first roles. And he was familiar with the comic going in and he, he said that his first days on set with the duck, he knew that something was off about the movie. And what do you mean by off? What do, what do you think he meant by that? He said that he immediately had doubt when he saw what they had done to the Howard character. But the duck looks so good. Sh- sure. <laughs> All right. So on the DVD commentary for the film, one of the commentators claims that George Lucas reassured him that the project would in 20 years be seen as a masterpiece. I think it's great. 
Uh, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Uh, also, John Cusack and Martin Short auditioned for the voice of Howard, but they were not given the part. It was a more unknown actor. You can look at him on IMDb. You'd probably recognize his face, but he's been in a lot of small roles. He's not a known mm-hmm. actor. Did you have anything else, uh, Steve? Yeah, and just once again, um, Jeffrey Jones is a piece of shit. Oh. And in 2004, registered as a sex offender for soliciting inappropriate pictures from a 14-year-old boy. Yeah, and it's it's terrible because yeah. Jeffrey Jones has been like a, a character actor throughout the 80s, and he's been a lot if, of good stuff. If there's stuff. one piece of trivia I want you to take away, <laughs> is that Jeffrey Jones did terrible things. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> and we should not forgive him because he's in Hollywood. No. And because he was in Ferris Bueller's. And, if anything, think yeah. a little harder about Ferris Bueller's. Yeah, think about it. Think about it. Also, uh, Paula Abdul, Kim Basinger, Jody Benson, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Laura Sing- Lori Singer were all considered for the part of Beverly that Leah Thompson eventually got. Um, Most of those make sense. Yeah, they could have all worked, especially in 86 when this movie came out. Um, yeah. well, Leah Thompson did a great job. I think she did a great job. She is one of the better kind of parts of the movie. She's, she's just so innocent and lovely and just so much good energy. Yeah, I liked it. All right. Well, while we're on a roll, Jarman, why don't you tell me why you think Howard the Duck is a good movie? All right. So from the get go, we have three main points here why we are defending or saying how terrible these movies are. And from the get go, the practical effects are really good in this movie throughout and, and beyond practical effects. I'm going to say effects because even the special effects that are done throughout are really good for 1986 so the duck costumes uh the moving of objects with the uh the dark lord he comes down through jeffrey jones's body and he moves all this furniture around it looks great um there's eight people in that duck costume and on top of that people moving the duck animatronics in his face and it looks really good like it still works to this day it does not age poorly it it looks good um, and the actors can react off of what that performance is giving to them. Just like in Dark Crystal or in Muppet performances, it looks it looks really good. And so I, I give this movie an A plus for practical effects. Okay, I'll give you a little bit of points there. Um, see, a lot of the practical and just smart effects that were done, I think about the transformation of Jeffrey Jones's character. So good throughout. And the, the, the like tongue serpent thing he does yes i thought a lot of that was very good Jennings, it's inside my body yeah. this guy's delirious he's not oh. making any sense it's too late the end of the world is coming and i will be the cause of it and, and fun to see just practical effects like he just had a prosthetic on his tongue for part of that yeah for like at least he, the last shot he, yeah, he did. sold it and it you know it all fit together very well uh, so I'll give you a little bit of that, but here's where I had an issue. And this was actually my third point. So I'm going to bump it up. Uh, they had, a, they had the guy in the costume with the articulated right. head and all that. And then they had an articulated puppet. That was not the costume. Right. That they used in close up shots and a lot of straight on stuff. You can spot it because the head and the neck is much narrower. And for the scene where he has this no clothes on. Yes. My issue is that they switch between those very abruptly sometimes in scenes and with no consistency. There were a lot of real nice close-ups that you think they would have used the puppet for, but they didn't, and they used the suit, but then the next shot, they switched to the puppet. I didn't notice that uh, at all. 
and it was for me and mind you, maybe this is because of my like Muppet background and I'm looking True. for more of this kind of stuff, but it was just really abrupt and it, there was no consistency um, in when they chose to use what, because as I said, there were a lot of front nice shots that were the suit and I don't think they needed more than the suit. Uh, if anything, either. my issue was this articulated puppet that they did. Mm. That was my issue. No, yeah, like I, I, I never actually noticed that during the whole movie. I never noticed the jarring juxtaposition of those two different kinds of puppets. Well, if slash... you ever watch it again, ever, just watch for it. But I don't recommend you watch it again. <laughs> I will watch this movie again because I enjoyed the fuck out of it. <laughs> All right. So what's your what's your second point that this is a pretty good movie? Oh, because you brought up one of your points already. Yeah, that that matched my third point Perfect. perfectly. Okay, cool. Uh, so my second point is fantastic music um it, it still fits in with the lucasfilm um era of films because it has great music by john barry um who's done uh dances with wolves the living daylights somewhere in time out of africa many other films uh really a plus films and he did the music for this film and you can hear it in the theme which i'll play here This theme reoccurs throughout the film, and it's just, it's, it made the movie feel like one of those Spielberg, uh, Lucasfilm era films that you really enjoy. And it brought the quality of the whole film up a whole notch from just watching it. it and, and this whole movie is cheesy and over the top, and I think they embrace that. But okay. what makes it grounded is the score. The score by John Barry is really good, and it just, I, I fucking enjoyed it. And it, it, just, it, it brought me back those moments that that theme comes back. I'm just like, Oh fuck. I'm in this movie again. Like their love would probably seem not as realized unless this theme was not incorporated. And this theme comes back every time they have a scene where they're like talking to each other and they're really feeling each other. This theme comes back. I'm like, Oh, I do feel it now because of John Barry. So there we go. You said you're going to play some of that. I am. Well, I look forward to hearing it when I listen. <laughs> you don't remember it. <laughs> No. Oh, shit. I only remember Howard the Duck. Yeah, that's all I remember. That's the only, it's catchy as shit. I will play it for you when you hear it when this episode comes out. And I'm going to leave this in the episode so that they'll know. You'll you'll hear it and you'll love it. Okay. (laughs) What's your next Um, point? Okay, so my next point is the, the best part of this film, in my opinion, is like the is the the duck world they set up at the beginning and it's a great intro and it really sucks you in you get to see family photos and and i'll say duck's position (laughs) perfect that you know uh from our world and how they're changing different and he's about to sit down and the infomercials and him looking at a play duck you know all these all these great great things and then they show people and then he gets ripped out of it and then you'd get no more time there. And it's so, di- I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, this is really great. Like, I really love what they're showing me. And then he gets ripped out of it. And I was like, oh, well, that was nice. For like three minutes. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons the movies is bad. I just needed, I, I just thought that they did such a good job with those first three minutes that it made the rest of the movie extra disappointing that we didn't get to see any more of Duckburg. Yeah. Duckburg, woo! <laughs> so um, I will make a, I will establish a first episode first here, and okay. I will say that 
if we did have flashbacks or not flashbacks, however you want to classify that to that world with someone saying, where is Howard and exploring a little bit of like them missing him and showing a little bit more of that world. I would have been totally cool with that. That would have been really fun. Right. So I, I concede that point uh, uh, completely that it was a missed opportunity, right? A movie I already think is great. They could have made even better if they had had a few flashbacks to his world uh, and like showing people there and like, showing them missing. Wouldn't him. you have rather had an extra five minutes in Duck World and not the sex spa scenes? Yeah, yeah. Hey, shorty. Huh? It's Howard, thank you. And I'm taking a break. Oh, pardon me, Erlonis, but we seem to have a plugged up air jet in number five. And? And? And since you are supposed to be the water expert I asked for, you are going to fix it! <laughs> oh no. Like, that whole section of the movie is so unnecessary. From from both a just good taste and then also from a plot point of view, it makes no sense. Yeah, and, and even though how much I love this movie, I, I recognize that it would, could have appealed to a broader audience without a lot of the sex stuff. Yeah, it was weird. And so... Weird. Cause they didn't curse at all. They didn't talk about sex stuff, but they showed a lot of sex stuff and like they could have appealed to a broader audience if they just left that out. And so it was weird. And yeah, they could have, it, it would have been a better movie and more appealing if they had flashed back to duck world more. Um, I, I will concede that point. I can't, I, I can't compete Anything with that. And we have a sound effect here for when Jarman concedes or when Steve concedes, it happens here. <laughs> Oh man, that's a very satisfying noise. Don't you like it? Yeah, you like that. Uh, but yeah, I can see to that point. All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so my last so point your, is uh, yeah. this movie, and this is uh, this is might be totally superficial, but it's a uh, a great '80s feel, and it's nostalgic. And we are currently in a world of a lot of '80s uh, pop culture happening right now. A lot That's of true. yeah, a lot of TV shows, Stranger Things, a lot of things popping up that are placed in the '80s, and even kids, uh, or I should say, even adults nowadays who didn't even live in the '80s, uh, they are loving this '80s stuff, and it it does just feel so good. There's so many '80s um, music, hairdos, uh, costumes. Um, uh, and even the villains are very typical of eighties movies, the, the plots of this villain. Um, and then also character actors. There are so many character actors in this film and smaller roles that were in so many films throughout the eighties. Uh, the, oh, si- the scientists, the, uh, the, uh, police detective, um, e- even Jeffrey yeah, Jones. Yeah. Like it's just, small names. what was that? A lot of small names, but like, yeah. You know, and like you see their face, you're like, oh, I saw them in a thousand movies. Yeah, like they're just they were there throughout the 80s. So like it just if you're watching this movie, you'll just enjoy it. If not the music, if not the practical effects, you'll enjoy the 80s nostalgia watching this film uh, from just the actors and the, the, the music and the hair. It's wonderful. Can you argue with that, Steve? 
so so yes, I can. Not specifically <laughs> against that. You're right. It's 80s as shit. 80s as shit. My issue is that there are so this is this is more about the plot and the structure of the film than anything. Okay. There are too many big locations and set pieces to the point where getting from one to the other becomes the plot. With a lot of too much driving. Well, think of it this way. So there are, there's Tim Robbins works at a museum. Yeah. A science center, right? Location one, this doctor who we meet midway, like too late in the film, we meet Jeffrey Jones's character works at Dynacor or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Tech company. Right. And then there's a thing where they have to go to a nuclear power plant, which is another third big set piece location. Think about how much of the movie was just them getting from one to the other of those places. Well, I did write my notes. I was watching the film that a lot of the driving sequences and even the car chases later on took too long. Um, Right. They could have cut a lot out of that. But also they did work at the Cleveland Academy of Sciences, which the acronym is CHAOS. Which I thought was kind of okay. cool. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 that is one. I'm not going to concede the whole point to you, but I'm going to say that uh, some of those scenes were too long. I, I did write them like, oh, this, this car chase or this, like, the, the drive from here to there is just too long. And they could have put like, a lot of that out. It should have been Tim Robbins. Oh, yeah, my friend, he works at the big fancy technology company. I should take you in to see him. And so then he works there. He's the janitor there. It's the same outcome. He didn't have to work at the Academy of Science. Right. That would make sense why he then has this introduction to this higher up guy at this company. It would give us more opportunity to see what was happening there. Yeah. Maybe like show a little bit more of the experiment and stuff. And then sure, make the nuclear reactor somewhere else at the end. But like it just felt so unnecessary to have these multiple big set moves. Yeah, and as writers, um, Tim Robbins could have worked at the same facility as the Jeffrey Jones character. Uh, also, there was a third guy who was in a lot of scenes in between, who didn't get a name, who wasn't important. He didn't have to be there. Yeah, they could have cut they, him out. Over yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, he was just a, a bland, generic white dude with brown hair. He could have been cut out. Um, yeah, not like, but they weren't huge, like points of distraction for me. There was like, Oh, that was not unnecessary. They didn't need that. Yeah. But it just felt like everything should have been cleaned up in some way. Like one more script reduct basically. But I feel, yeah, but I feel like somebody was like, Oh, we should put Howard in a little plane and say that he hates to fly. It'll be a real funny joke. <laughs> and fly over like, the, All right, we have to the last third of the film around this premise. <laughs> Oh, I did write, though, that uh, one of the, uh, the, the the diner that they went to was called Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi Restaurant, and they were playing country <laughs> music inside. <laughs> so it was an Italian place with Cajun food. Nope, now sushi, and they're playing country music. That was, All pretty, that was pretty funny. I did enjoy that a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just some major kind of structural issues that really bug me about this film, including, and as we mentioned, the him getting forced to get a job and the whole sex spa thing. Yeah. Why? Why, why, why? He could have stormed away and gotten mad and then gone to the club to apologize to her and then overhear her manager being a crude jerk, done the same thing, won her back, 
and the movie could have gone on and been the 10 minutes shorter it needed to be. Yeah. And also they could have given any other job because the problem is with this film, even though I really like it a lot, I'm staying positive, uh, is that it, it very well could have been a family film. Yeah. There was no reason to not make it a family film, even though I know that the original source material is more risque. It is apparently. Right. Um, but the, the it felt very out of place in this film because they didn't curse throughout. It wasn't very adult. It was very cheesy. And so it felt like a family film, except for these, the sex spa and like the boobs in the beginning that there's duck boobs, duck boobs, duck boobs right. in the and, beginning. And like the, the duck erection later. Yeah. Like the inst- and that kind of stuff and they feel out of place because the rest of films feel so family friendly and cheesy which is really fun and i enjoyed that a lot um so they didn't need that whole entire uh, they could have given any other job um with that because the 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 scene where the woman's giving him a job is very funny i enjoyed that and she's like i don't know what the fuck you're doing right now with your your duck costume whatever that is controversial doesn't mean you're never going to get a job yeah it's like i know you're trying to get a job but you're trying to try to stay on unemployment but i'm gonna give you a job anyway screw you and it, it was funny but then at a sex lava whatever the fuck that place was it was really weird yeah lava spa or whatever it was real bad yeah it was really really bad still love the film but that that was they didn't need to do that yeah yeah okay well i think we landed somewhere in the middle there I guess we'll let history decide on this one because <laughs> you agree with some of the things I said, and I did agree with some of the things you said. Some. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this will be a unique episode. The first episode where we'll actually agree on some points because I feel like there's going to be more episodes where it's going to be very diametrically opposed. There, yeah. There's going to be no, <laughs> no middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a lot of middle ground here, which I like. I like there was some middle ground here. Yeah, that's right. But this thing's a bag of shit. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. There's no middle ground. I will watch this again. <laughs> what I named were only three of the reasons. <laughs> only three, yes. <laughs> we're doing a sequel. A sequel? Yeah. No sequel for you. Even though it's the sequel, I think it's actually the stronger of the two films. Don't believe the hype, it's a sequel. These days, you gotta have a sequel. So now, on Real Opposition, we are going to give a pitch for the sequel of these wonderful movies we are going to be reviewing. So, for this episode, Howard the Duck, what is the sequel for this film, Steve? So, I didn't come up with a title for it. Howard the Duck 2, Duck World. Duck World. All right, so... At the end of the last movie, it ended with Howard and Beverly going into music. I'm going to say that they continued that arc and Beverly finally hit it big. Howard's her manager and and they're experiencing life on the road as a big rocker. They're they're growing apart. Howard's talking to other girls, which is equally as weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they there's a clash in their dressing room before a big show. And just as the, the, the fight climaxes, the room begins to rumble. They fall backwards into Howard's chair. And just like the last film, they are pulled backwards through the walls. We get to see them crash through the backstage past roadies smoking weed who go like, oh, man, did you see that? It'll be a really funny moment. All right, Beverly, we got the sound check and then we got autograph meetup and then we've got a 10 minute with the producer. Are you changed and ready to go? Yes, of course I'm changed. Why are you always doubting me? Because when I'm not on top of you, we never get anything done, Beverly. (laughs) We get things done because I'm the lead singer. Of course we get things done because if I'm not here, no one's here. 
look, you're the money maker, but I'm the brains, baby. Oh, the brains? Okay, this was my idea to begin with. Cherry Bomb? That was me. All me. Well, maybe I would be better off if I went back to Duck World. Oh, went back to Duck World? Maybe you should. Maybe you should go back to Duck World. At least there I had a place to put my toothbrush, oh, Beverly. I, I told you you could put your toothbrush on my counter on the dresser, okay? Wait, wait, wait. Do, you, do, you, do you feel that? What, what is that? What is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> So they get they get pulled beamed just like the last movie, but back to Duck World where they crash land. Howard, uh, who is homesick and talking about going back to Duck World, is so happy to be home. And Leah Thompson's character, Beverly, gets to experience what it's like to be the outsider. We get to see a lot more of Duck World. We get to explore a lot of what they hinted at in the first film. Um, but unlike the first film, uh, Beverly is swiftly picked up by authorities and handed over to we'll call it like Globotech. Globotech. Duck Tech. Duck Tech. Duck Tech. <laughs> and what was the name of the doctor that you came up with? Oh, uh, Dr. Jensen Duckington III. Handed over to the study of Dr. Jensen Duckington III. Howard tries to get her back. He ends up uh, finding out that an old buddy of his, an old colleague named Bill, named Bill works for the doctor and asks him to look after Beverly. And Bill is played by John C. <laughs> Riley. And Bill is played by John C. Riley. Dr. Jensen Duckington um, III is played by Christopher Walken. We've already decided these things. Yes, we have. So Bill, uh, after by asking up about it, Beverly finds out the doctor's evil plan that he is going to use energy coming off of Beverly to trace back to, to the Earth, to human Earth, and drain the energy from human Earth. And then eventually drain energy from all the Earths. Ha <laughs> ha uh, Hey, sir, I got those uh, test results you needed for uh, Beverly, the uh, Earth woman. Yeah, put them down over there. Everything came back, came back normal. I think we're uh, ready to release her whenever you sign off. According to these results, we could use this person for draining energy from a d- Earth. Draining e- energy, sir, from Earth? We could use this to power our planet, Duck World. Sir, we already have plenty of power. I don't know why we would no, need more. No, this is great. We could use Earth to power Duck World. You, you, this is fantastic. Beverly can't go anywhere. Uh, sir, but I promised my friend Howard that we would, like, you know, get her back. Don't worry about Howard. We can use him later. Sir, sir, I, I have to object. Object? Sir, I I quit. I resign. I can't be here anymore. Resign? You're going to drain other worlds. No, Bill, don't leave. Bill ends up basically quitting or being kicked out. Um, because he refuses to go along, he goes and tells Howard, who raises a gang of his old friends from his time as a PI, uh, <laughs> to go and break Beverly out. Because Howard <laughs> was a PI to, at one point. He was. He was. They're able to free Beverly, but in the exchange, Howard ends up having to stay behind and gets caught. The doctor laughs maniacally as he reveals that energy from Howard will help him trace back to Earth just as easily as Beverly. He doesn't need her. <laughs> Beverly and the others make a narrow escape. The doctor prepares. Howard for this final thing where he's going to drain his energy to then trace it back and drain all the energy from Earth. Uh, Beverly rallies the others to break in. There's a scuffle where they have to they they like play with a the the control panel and the doctor is fighting Bill, Bill and the other guys <clears throat> the other ducks. Beverly goes free Howard. The doctor reverses the beam which shoots which is going to transport Beverly back towards Earth back to Earth. At the end, Howard is left standing deciding whether he's going to go back with her or stay with 
his new ruffian friends back on this world. Uh, it cuts to white and Beverly lands in earth, but she's all alone. Oh no, where's Howard? Well, he shows up a few moments later revealing that he came back for her because while he misses duck world, she is really his home, his true love. And it's like an arc payoff from them fighting at the beginning. It'll be really beautiful. What a great sequel. And that is the sequel to Howard the Duck. And it would be so Duck great World. because of so much puppet love we're getting these days because of Dark Crystal and everything. Like, we, if we go back to Duck World. It's true. I think it would really go well. I really think it. I expect a call, Netflix. Yeah, we can make this happen, especially with Guardians of the Galaxy. Howard the Duck is really popular. Stopped in the CGI Howard the Duck that we saw in the movies. Do like a actual practical Howard the Duck. Like That's we, right. We can make this happen. That has been our sequel pitch. Hopefully you like it more than the original. Thank you for joining us on Real Opposition. Come back next time when we'll pluck another gem from the trash can and dust it off. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And you can't polish a turd. 